This is a Woodside Church podcast. So, good morning. I'm going to draw everyone's attention this way and uh, just say if I've not met you before, my name is Tim Green. I've done a flying visit to the west and back to the uh, from the nine o'clock and uh, back here for the eleven. How are we all? We all right? Good. Well, it's uh, my privilege to launch a new series that starts today, and apart from next week when Martin is uh, sharing on our Vision Sunday, we'll go right through to the end of the Easter holidays, and uh, it's entitled through the eyes of and uh, you can see the the branding that Anna's done for us which uh, is really good actually I think it's uh, you you can see the cross through the eyes of the glasses I'm a glasses wearer so it means something to me Um, and we want to tell the story from the perspectives of different people who were involved in the Easter story as recorded in the Gospels And centred on the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, what impact did these events have on each of these people? What unique insights would they have had? And how do these give us a greater understanding and appreciation of the cross and resurrection that are so central to our faith? What impact do these stories through their eyes have on us? And how does it affect how we live? And through the series, uh, two weeks' time, we're going to have Through the Eyes of the Soldiers. Uh, Then, following that, Through the Eyes of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, Week after, Through the Eyes of the Thief, who died on a cross by the side of Jesus. Uh, Then, Through the Eyes of Peter, on Christmas Day, on Easter Sunday, Through the Eyes of Mary Magdalene. And then finally, through the eyes of Thomas. And here in the East, um, at the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have two weeks' times. Peter Solomon is going to be carrying on, looking at through the eyes of the soldiers. And then the following week, Martin. uh, Then Deb's Messeg will be preaching. Then Temba. I'm back for Christmas. I said it again, didn't I, Christmas? I'll get get it in a minute. Easter. Uh, and uh, then Hudson will finish off with Thomas. Incidentally, I know we, have, we, we really boost up Christmas, but do you know the most important event for us, important celebration is actually Easter? Um, you know, Christmas is great, really important. You know, the incarnation, Jesus came, uh, Son of God, but uh, the fact that he rose again from the dead, without that, none of it would make any sense at all. So today, what am I going to do? Well, one verse uh, recorded uh, in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to look at Mark uh, through the eyes of Simon of Cyrene. And uh, we'll find out a bit more about him in a minute. But let me just give you a little bit of a lead up to when he is introduced into this story. And we get to a stage where Jesus has been tried uh, overnight unjustly uh, with false witnesses handed over to Pilate who could find nothing wrong with him but 
to pacify the crowd, he releases Barabbas and hands uh, Jesus over. He orders Jesus first to be whipped with leather thongs and uh, lead tipped, uh, where he is whipped uh, on his back. Uh, And then he's handed over to Roman soldiers to be crucified uh, in their courtyard, the courtyard of the Praetorium. And they decide uh, to have some fun uh, at Jesus' expense. They dress him in a purple robe. They make a crown of thorns and place it on his head. They taunted Jesus, calling out to him, Hail, King of the Jews, hit him with a reed stick again and again, spat on him, got down on their knees in mock worship. And then when they were bored, Fed up, time was moving on, they took off his robe, put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. Just going through that would have been exhausting. And then we pick up in Mark 15 verse 21 and this is the verse that really I'm going to focus on, we're going to focus on together. But I'm going to read also verses 22, 23 and first part of 24 just to put it in context. But here's the verse. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. Should we just pray? Lord, we just ask you that as we consider the story of what Jesus went through for us through the eyes of Simon of Cyrene, that you touch our hearts afresh, that you'd open our eyes afresh that you'd motivate us with thankfulness afresh and also with challenge in Jesus name Amen so I'm going to pick out three things there aren't many more things to pick out frankly from one verse but three things about Simon which also apply to you and me And the first thing is that Simon was a passerby. He was a passerby called into God's purpose because of the cross. So that verse, just literally, verse 21, says a passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Now a condemned man on the way to being crucified, usually carried his own heavy crossbeam, as it would have been, to the site of crucifixion, where it was then fixed to the upright post. Because of Jesus' weakness, as a result of all that he had already gone through, he was unable to carry it himself. And Simon just happened to be passing by at this point, going about his business 
at that very moment. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' heavy cross. Now that word forced in the original Greek is the same word that would be used of people uh, speaking harshly to a slave or to an animal to get them to work or to get them to work harder. And there was no choice for Simon. He actually was forced uh, to do this thing. He was physically close to Jesus as you could be as close to Jesus as you could be at the time when he goes towards Jesus goes towards the place where he wins our salvation now we can assume that this was life changing for Simon i mean he this wasn't in his plan for the day uh, you may have all sorts of things uh, planned on different days and then something happens that interrupts those plans dramatically I mean, for those people around the world who suddenly find themselves in the close proximity of coronavirus, suddenly their plans are changed. You know, can't get off the cruise ship, not allowed out of the hotel, um, have to go into quarantine, that kind of thing. It wasn't planned, but it was a sudden, it's a sudden thing. Simon had a sudden uh, interruption to his day that he had no choice about, and it was unplanned. Um, other things uh, can happen uh, that go beyond our control. Uh, if you've ever been made redundant, you get, your, you get your redundancy notice and there's nothing you can do. And suddenly, all your plans are awry. Or if you're driving some long distance and then there's a traffic accident ahead and you see all those red lights ahead of you and you know that and you end up on the motorway for absolutely hours uh, until the way is cleared again or sent on some diversion that you're very unfamiliar with, suddenly your plans go awry uh, on that particular day. Um, Or uh, the sadness of the loss of a loved one, but it was unexpected. And your plans just suddenly all go different ways. But those are all bad things. And Simon's interruption to his day, first of all, seems like a bad thing. But actually, sometimes an interruption into your day can end up being a good thing, even though it doesn't appear to be straight away. This reminds me of uh, uh, back in 2002 when Catherine, if you don't know me very well, then Catherine over there is uh, my wife, and uh, Chris Perry, who's in this church, part of the East Site, um, went down with hundreds and thousands of others uh, to uh, walk past the lying-in state of the Queen's mother. And the Queen Mother was lying in state in 2002, just about this time of year, um, in uh, Westminster Hall, part of Houses of Parliament. uh, And people, uh, it was open to the public for people to go and just respectfully walk past. They didn't have long to walk past, but to walk past, just paying their respects for the Queen Mother. And uh, Catherine and Chris went down. And uh, they knew it would be a long day because they'd seen on the news that the queues were long. They were the other side of the River Thames before you crossed over and then came back and, and so forth. But they were ready for it and felt this is something that they wanted to do. For me, it was a normal working day, uh, but off they went. Well, the queue was long. And at just after half past four, uh, they actually entered 
into uh, Westminster Hall. It had been a long day. And of course, this was almost the shortest part of the day. They were just going to process past uh, respectfully and then come back to Bedford. But suddenly, their plan was interrupted. Because as the 100, 150 or so of the general public were allowed in, they were all lined up along the steps looking down towards the Queen Mother rather than lined up in a row. And then the doors behind them were closed fast and they were told just to stand still and silent. And there was nothing they could do. And then the four grandsons, uh, princes, uh, Charles, Andrew, Edward and Viscount Linley, actually came uh, from a, 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 a stairway and walked down and took the place of the four soldiers that had been guarding the coffin of the Queen Mother and stood there in vigil for half an hour during which time Catherine, Chris and the other few members of the public who'd been in that particular bit of the queue, totally unplanned, they weren't warned of this, had to stand there for half an hour. Now the first uh, we knew about, the first I knew about this, and our uh, children were sort of like teenagers at the time, the youngest was not quite a teenager but nearly, was I'd done their tea because they come home from school, I'd made sure I was there to do their tea, and we were just having sort of like a TV dinner, you know, just a simple thing, uh, and watching, and, and the six o'clock news came on, and this was the headline, and suddenly... We're not looking just at the four princes and the Queen Mother's coffin draped in the, in the uh, royal flag, but also about five rows back, there was Catherine and Chris. And the kids go, look at this, Mum! <laughs> and it was a sudden interruption. But on a sad occasion, it ended up being, you never guess what happened today. And at the end of the day, it became quite a privilege to have been right there when this historical moment actually happened and uh, there are times when you know you think you never guess what happened to me today and Simon for the worst of reasons but also the best of reasons was in one of those moments and as we uh, look at uh, what happened for him for Simon it wasn't planned he wasn't in control but it was life-changing uh, for the better and we know that it was life-changing because of the fact that Mark mentions in this verse that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And the reason that Mark mentions them, all commentators agree, is really because they would have been known somewhere in the church. They would have been known as believers. It's a little bit like um, someone saying, oh, rich Father of Luke and uh, of, uh, of, of Nathan, of Josh and of Naomi. You know, oh yeah, we all know them. And it's a bit like suddenly mentioning, you know, Simon, father of Alexander and Rufus. Oh yes. And in actual fact, Mark was writing this gospel while he was in Rome uh, around the end of the sort of fi uh, 50s uh, AD or beginning of the 60s, round about that sort of time, at a similar time to when Paul in Corinth was writing his letter to the Romans and in his greetings at the end of that letter in chapter 16, in verse 13, he, he writes this, Greet Rufus whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me also. Now, we cannot categorically say this was the same Rufus. May have been or may have not been. 
Some think it, it clearly could have, could have been uh, this Rufus. But what is clear by inference from Mark that he, Simon, who carried the cross at a later stage, his two sons, Alexander and Rufus, were clearly believers in Jesus Christ and well known in the church. That's just amazing. And it was because of the cross. Because Simon, just to pass by, ended up as a part of the story. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if uh, you've ever think about when you, the circumstances around you becoming a Christian. And it, you know, I just think back, I think, well, probably, you know, if my parents hadn't been Christians when I was young, if they hadn't become Christians when they were teen, I don't know if I, I might or might not have been a Christian. Now, I know they're but for the grace of God. But it's the circumstances. You know, for you, you might be thinking, well, um, you know, if you hadn't have been invited to church or to an Alpha, alpha course, um, I don't know if I would have necessarily become a Christian or if it hadn't have been for that book that was passed to me by a Christian friend. If that Christian friend or Christian relative hadn't invited me to this meeting, if I hadn't been invited by my school friend to uh, the club that the, the church were running on a Friday night, uh, there can be all kinds of different things that you think. But the good news is, for Simon, actually in God's eyes, he wasn't just a passerby, and nor are you a passerby in God's eyes. You actually are included in God's purposes. You are uh, called according to God's purpose because of what Christ has done for you in the cross. And the circumstances around you hearing about the cross of Christ and becoming a Christian were not a coincidence. You didn't just happen to be a passerby. Paul in Ephesians uh, 1, 5 to 7 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Isn't that good news? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He was so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Simon's being forced to carry the cross of Jesus wasn't chance or mistake. He was called into God's purpose, resulted in his son's uh, own son's participation in the faith and in the church, and probably he came to faith too. The second thing about Simon is that he was an outsider. But he was included in God's purpose because of the cross. So in that verse again, Mark 15, 21, a passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. See, Simon was from a city called Cyrene in the north coast of Africa, uh, where Tripoli and Libya is today. Uh, And we're not told whether he was a Jew or a Gentile. Uh, There was a large Jewish community there, but we're not told exactly what his origins uh, were. And in fact, cities were very diverse in those days, just like they are now. Simon had a very important part to play in the crucifixion story. Jesus was too weak to carry his own cross and the only physical relief that he had was that someone else carried his cross 
to the place of the crucifixion for him. And it happened to be Simon. He wasn't a local. He was from another nation. He would have had a foreign accent. And in fact, if people in Jerusalem would say of the disciples of Jesus, oh, uh, we can tell you're from another part, you're from Galilee, because we can tell by your accent, uh, then certainly uh, Simon, uh, coming all the way from the north coast of Africa, would have had another accent. Maybe spoke more than one language. But he was a crucial part of the story, and he was included in God's plan. Imagine what the incident was like uh, for Simon. I mean, at first, being forced by the soldiers in such an atmosphere to do what he had to do, he, uh, he probably would have felt shock. He might have felt shaky. He might have felt fear, but also immediate compliance. You don't argue with a Roman soldier. Then getting his bearings, getting, uh, absorbing the atmosphere, uh, aware of Jesus very close ahead of him, aware of Jesus' presence, the stripes on his back, the crown of thorns on his head, aware of the crowd, some jeering, others weeping, aware of the strength and total control of the Roman soldiers. For himself, you imagine him thinking, this is a nightmare. Why me? I mean, he hardly would be thinking this is an inconvenience. He might have felt like an outsider. I'm not even from Jerusalem. I don't even know what's going on. I'm not part of this story. No one of this man's friends, I'm not one of this man's friends or family, whom one might have expected to have been commandeered to do what I'm doing. But later, Mark implies that Simon, because of his sons, may have looked back and considered it to have been a real privilege. Life transforming. He had been called into what was God's plan. He'd been included into that plan. Simon was from another nation, but he was included in God's purpose because of the cross. Literally. Now for us, many of us in the church have origins in other nations. In fact, Candy was saying to me a couple of weeks ago, she said, oh, in our community group, it's ladies group Tuesday mornings, she said we were talking to each other and as we were doing so, we suddenly discovered that not one of us was born in the UK. We were all born uh, elsewhere. And she said it to me with a smile on her face. Uh, And of course, it's typical of us, you know, a church with over 40 nations represented, different languages uh, being spoken and so forth. Uh, That's uh, not uncommon. But do you know sometimes if if, uh, English is not necessarily your first language, you have a different accent, most of your relatives live elsewhere, you can easily feel less included, like passers-by. But what thrills me is God's word is clear that we're all included because of the cross. You, whatever your background, are a crucial part of what God is doing here. And whether your origins are in Africa or the Far East or in Europe or North or South America, Australasia, wherever they happen to be, you are included in the purpose of God. Isn't that good? And how do we know that? It's because of the cross. 
And it's because of the cross that we're all included in God's purpose. And Ephesians 2.14 says this. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. The cross has broken every barrier down. There's no longer amongst God's people any them and us. No superior or inferior. No more important or less important. No room for cliques or lack of inclusion. We're now one new people in Christ. We're one family. And Simon, an outsider, was included in the Easter story. And we, whatever our background, have been included in the Easter story too. Isn't that wonderful? And you think, well, how come? I mean, I can see Simon. He was there at the time. He saw Jesus. It was right in the same time and space. But for us, 2,000 years later, I mean, how does that happen? Well, let me just give you a really simple illustration. Um, I don't know how many of you have been to the Bedford River Festival, happening again this year, but every two years, hundreds of thousands of people gather over the, the weekend. Um, and uh, there's a carnival that often opens it up or that takes place on a Saturday starting up at uh, De Paris Avenue, comes down the high street, turns around the corner just where Nando's and the uh, Swan Hotel are, other restaurants and hotels are available, uh, and then goes along the embankment towards Russell Park. But just imagine for a minute you're standing by Nando's and the Swan. Uh, on that corner, and you're just watching as the scouts going by. Then there's the Irish dancers. Then there's a primary school all dressed up like flowers. And then there's, uh, there's uh, some uh, Irish dancers. And, and then these floats keep coming. In your real time, you're just seeing one or two or three of the floats. Those just gone by you, those in front of you, and those about to come past you. But if you were in the police helicopter up above, looking down, you'd see the whole thing all in one go. And when Jesus died on the cross in real time, where Simon was witnessing, it was just one time in history, but when God the Father looked down, he looked at the whole of humanity walking past. He saw you and me 2,000 years later in the queue, ready to pass by and to be utterly transformed by the cross. No longer outsiders. But we have been brought near through the blood of Christ and brought into God's family from wherever we came. Isn't that wonderful? We see that in Simon and it's good news for all of us. And then finally we see Simon the cross carrier. He was identified with God's purpose because of the cross. I'm going to read that verse once more. Mark 15, 21. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Carrying the cross of Christ, some may have thought that Simon was even the one going to be crucified. Because they were the only people that did carry the cross to a place of crucifixion. You carried your own cross. He would have witnessed the suffering of Jesus. He would have seen firsthand and close up what Jesus was going through. 
But he also may have shared in some of what Jesus was going through. In fact, he did, just carrying the heavy crossbeam. But he might also have been spat upon. He might have been jeered at. He might have been considered by some, particularly those who didn't see the original commandeering of the Roman soldiers to Simon. Uh, They might have just uh, thought of him as someone who uh, himself was a criminal. And almost definitely, however, ultimately, it would have changed his life. The evidence being what Mark says about his sons. Simon literally illustrates what for Mark was the most distinguishing mark of discipleship. Taking up one's cross and following Jesus. So Mark 8.34, Mark records Jesus uh, saying this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up all, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. This is how followers of Jesus are identified. And Simon gives us a visual picture of what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. It starts with a change of direction from being a passerby to being a follower of Jesus, literally. That's what repentance and baptism is all about. It continues with a new identity. See, Simon became a part of the story. He carried Jesus' cross. He was intrinsically linked with Jesus' crucifixion. Imagine all through his life, if he had, as, as I am supposing, uh, come to faith and been part of a church and hearing the cross being preached, and, and suddenly he's thinking to himself, I helped to carry that. Imagine his sons, Alexander and Rufus, you know, and they're, they're hearing, you know, they're in a church gathering and they're hearing the preaching going on and the preaching about the cross and they poke each other and say, our dad, our dad carried that. I mean, he was identified forever uh, with uh, the, the one who carried the cross. It was costly. To Simon, it was costly in terms of the physical weight, but also to his reputation. People inevitably would have thought the worse of him as they saw him carrying Jesus' cross. Forever associated with Jesus. And looking back though and seeing the blessing on his own family, he would have seen it as worth it. He probably came to a position of faith himself and certainly his sons did. Whatever Jesus takes us through, whatever he calls us, to endure ultimately is worth it. Making a decision to say no to that which is wrong and doesn't please him and yes to a life which therefore implies sacrifice or going against natural inclination eventually is worth it. Carrying the cross of Christ, being willing to be considered to be just one of those old-fashioned traditional people that are a bit outdated, in the end, is worth it. Having a reputation in the eyes of those that you study with or you work with or in your neighbours, which is less than you would like it to because you're a Christian, not because of anything you've done wrong, in the end is worth it because followers of Jesus 
carry a cross. And the cross of Christ became Simon's story, but it's also become ours as followers of Jesus. We too have been identified with God's purpose because of the cross. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, what does this look like? Well, our culture encourages us to be obsessed with ourselves, does it not? Self-esteem, self-improvement, self-indulgence, fulfilling my dreams, my ambitions, my comfort, my success. But when we identify with the cross, the world no longer revolves around me. I'm no longer dominated by thoughts of my own pleasure and prestige. The life that I live is that of submission to Christ and letting him by his spirit live through me. Again in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, Paul says this, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. What does that look like? Well, the best way I can describe it in the time that I have is by reading you a quote from C.T. Studd, a famous and effective missionary from the end of the uh, sort of uh, 1800s and beginning of the 1900s. And he said this, I had known about Jesus dying for me, but I never understood that if he died for me, then I didn't belong to myself. Redemption means buying back. So that if I belonged to him, either I had to be a thief and keep what wasn't mine, or else I had to give up everything to God. When I came to see that Jesus Christ had died for me, it didn't seem hard to give up all for him. Can I invite us to stand and to pray? So as we consider what the cross was like through the eyes of Simon and Cyrene, Lord, we just thank you that he was a passerby But actually, he ended up called into your purpose because of the cross. He played a vital role on the very day, Jesus, that you gave your life for all of us. And we who were far off, passers-by in life, you have called to yourself. What a privilege, what grace. It's just amazing and we are so grateful. And some of us here, we just might be sensing that you're calling us. And Lord, we just pray, I just pray that we'll find ourselves like Simon who almost 
didn't give too much of a care about Jesus, but suddenly, Lord, was confronted with the truth of the cross, the reality of the cross, and is brought to you. May many more yet, even here amongst us, be brought to you. And Lord, we thank you that because of the cross, whatever our background, just like Simon was an outsider, you brought us in. We celebrate that fact. And Lord, help us not to squirm at the fact that we're now identified with your purpose because of the cross. We gladly give our lives afresh to you. They've completely changed. We're identified with you. And we thank you for that. And Lord, for all of us, and this is just me, we're challenged by our own ongoing self-centeredness. And we pray that you'd continue to deal with that in our lives and lead us more and more, day by day, to be understanding what it is to follow you carrying our cross. So we're able to say, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Seeking for our world to be that which orientates around you, rather than demanding that our world should revolve around our own selves and our own needs. Lord, we just come before you, sober but glad, challenged, but celebrating all that you have done for us through your death on the cross. In Jesus' name and for the risen Jesus' glory. Amen. Thanks. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.